0: Hmm. Yawn. Four seconds. What are you doing? Oh, you had said that you don't do anything personal during work time, so I'm just making sure. Oh, wait a minute, so you're gonna time me every time I yawn? That's absurd. Really? Personal conversation. 17 seconds. There is no way that that was... One second. He has not stopped working for a second. At 12.45, he sneezed while keeping his eyes open, which I always thought was impossible. And on the flip side, I've been so busy watching him that I haven't even started work. That's exhausting, being this vigilant. I'll probably have to go home early today. What's up, Kairos? It's so good to be with you tonight. My name is Danny Householder. I'm a pastor at Hope Ames. I also get to be a part of Kairos. We truly believe that it's no accident that you're here, whether you came from West Des Moines, Grimes, uh, why am I blanking out, Uh, Waukee. I graduated from Waukee. I love it. Uh, If you're here living in Ames, we love you so much. Uh, This is this is like a bittersweet night, right? It's the last night of the year. A lot of you are excited to get on to summer. I'm really bummed about it. We have nothing to do here, Names, when you leave. So please write to us over the summer. I will write back every single time and even when you don't write to me. You ready for that? No. Uh, Hey, uh, I want to go back to that opening clip. How are you with your time management? How are you with that? Statistically speaking, most of us probably aren't super good with our time management skills. 82% of people have no system whatsoever for their time management. Anybody in here have a great time management system? Like, it's, it's not super common. Some of you are, like, trying to resist the urge because you're humble. Like, well, honestly, I get everything done right when I said I was going to. But time management is a difficult thing for us. And it's the way that we're closing this series. It's the way that we're closing this school year. It's a series called PAUSE. We're walking with Jesus to overcome hurry. We are living a very hurried life. We're living a very, very busy life. Sometimes we feel like we can't get everything done, and it's because in our own mind, well, I just can't manage my time. But what if I told you that being able to relax, being able to find peace, being able to overcome hurry, being able to pause was not so much about having a to-do list, having a planner, or having a timer set to every single thing that you do. There was a study that came out of Loyola University. Loyola University found that their students in the last couple of years were more stressed out than ever. And some of the professors observed and concluded that the reason for this was because they weren't getting enough done. But what they found was interesting was they were busier. They were doing more things, but they still didn't feel like they were doing enough. And I think that it's really, really interesting. This university, these prestigious Ph.D. professors, they concluded with this statement. Are you ready? You're not bad at time management. You're doing too much. Now stop guilting yourself. Anybody need to hear that? You're not bad at time management. You're just doing way too much. You're doing more than one human being can possibly do. What if the key to doing more was actually just slowing down? What if the key to catching up was slowing down? I mean, it's absolutely countercultural to the way that we're living now. But it's the way that Jesus points us to live our lives. Do you remember this from the first week of our series? This is from Matthew chapter 11. This is in the message translation, paraphrase, if you will. This is what it says. Are you tired? Worn out? Raise your hand if you're tired or worn out. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of us are tired or worn out. Over 60% of college students, we said in the first week, over 60% of college students say that they don't enjoy their life because they're so busy. That's tough. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Boy, you don't just get busy and tired on the things you have to do throughout the week because of school, because of the things you have to do throughout the summer because of your internship, because of the stuff you have to do throughout the week to satisfy your family, whatever that might be. The truth is we can get burned out on religion too. What are you tired of? What are you worn out on? Jesus says, go ahead, get away with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Leave the unfor, or excuse me, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. How nice would it be to have a rhythm of life where it didn't feel forced, but instead you just gotta walk freely. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll live freely and lightly. Anybody in here want to live free and light? Anybody in here feeling like they're living restricted and heavy? Yeah, a lot of us feel like we're living restricted and heavy. There is a better way. There's a better way to life. And I want to talk to you about that today as we conclude this series. I know it's kind of a weird series to end the year with. Pause. Why are we talking about pause when we're heading into summer? Isn't it automatically going to be a pause for my life? Did you know? That every single generation that leads up to the generations that are retiring, every single one of them says, I'm busier than I was 10 years ago. Just because we go into summer, just because we graduate, it does not mean that we're going to all of a sudden stop these unhealthy rhythms of our life and pause. There's always more stuff to do. I think a lot of us think that the key, the key to getting more stuff done is if I could just have more time, right? If I just have more time to do the things I want to do, what if I had 25 hours a day? What if I had 26, 27, 28 hours a day? Couldn't I do so much more? Wouldn't I be so much more relaxed? And the truth is, no, I don't think that we would be. If you don't believe me, just go ahead and check the Screen Time app on your phone. And you'll find when you have nothing to do, you find something to do, don't you? I do it. The times when I spend the most time on my phone is when I'm apparently supposed to be sleeping. Forget eight hours of sleep a night. I'm talking nine hours a day on my iPhone. Not quite, but maybe some of you. You know what I mean? And maybe you're not a screen person. And so maybe you're a book person. You'd find a new book. Maybe you're even a relational person. You'd find a new friend. Maybe you're a hardworking person. You'd find another task. Maybe you're a grade person. You'd find another class. It does not matter how many hours are in a day. We'd find a way to fill them, wouldn't we? Whether it's good stuff, bad stuff, we would find a way to fill them. And the interesting thing about it is if we had more hours of the day, we would just spend more hours exhausting ourselves and we'd be even worse off. What do we do? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 22. We have kept on coming back to this passage throughout the school year. So I think it's only appropriate that we finish here. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when we think about religion, when we think about Christianity, it's easy for us to say, love God. Of course, turn to the person next to you, and say, love God. love God. Awesome, and Kairos, I just want to tell you, you guys do a great job of loving God. Way to go. Then he also says, love your neighbor. Turn to the person next to you and say, I love you. I love you. So much. Awesome. I think about you all the time. Day and night. Sorry, I just felt like someone in here really needed to feel appreciated. You must love God. You must love others. But here's the part we always leave out. Ready? As you love yourself. Anybody bad at loving yourself? Yeah. (laughs) That was emphatic. That's like when Michael Hurst preached here. Some of you remember. Some of you don't. Because you were too busy. Anyway... So, (laughs) that was so rude. I'm not like that. Sorry. I don't like I did that. Anyway. Love God. Love other people. But you're not going to know how to do that until you receive love for yourself. And you don't receive love for yourself by continuing to work, by continuing to push yourself to the limit. You can't do it. You have to rest. You have to pause. The Bible says you did not invent love. It says God is love. This is real love. It says it's not that we love God first, but it's that God loved us. The only way you will know how to love is if you receive love from the Creator of it. The only way you will know how to serve is if you are served by the Creator of service. You gotta be loved to love. You gotta have time with pause. You gotta have time with paw. I just thought of that. Pause with paw, like your heavenly paw. Some of you are like, where is that going? And now you're like, oh. You don't even have to quote me on that. Share that with your friends. (laughs) Spend time with God. Spend time. You you want to be better with the way that you're spending your time? Spend time with God. Spend time with the creator of time. Because how about we reconstruct the entire way that we see time management? How do you see time management? Can you actually manage time? And I think the answer is complicated. Yes and no. Yes, you can manage time in the way that you control the way that you spend your time. But by definition, what management means, like, you you can't really do it. If you look up in Merriam-Webster, to manage means to control or be in charge of something or someone. You are not in charge of time. Try really hard. Ready? Try really hard to make this next second go by slower. Darn it, I just wasted five seconds in my sermon. You couldn't do it. And I'm not just trying to be silly about this. It's, it's the truth. You cannot control time. You're not in charge of time. I think this is one of the reasons why we cherish videos and photos so much. This is one of my favorite pictures I've ever been in. These are some of my best friends on our graduation day from Wartburg College. Um, don't even think for a second we weren't the coolest kids at the school. Um, <laughs> we lived outside on a couch. Uh, no. No. <laughs> The reason why I love this picture is because it's one of my favorite moments in time. Pictures do what we can't. They have this ability to freeze time. And I I wish I could go back. I wish I could relive it. Some of you are kind of freaking out right now because you're living in a moment that you know is passing and you're kind of scared. And you wish you could pause for a moment. You can't pause time. You can't manage time. You cannot control time. But let me tell you this. You can choose your priorities. Hear that tonight. You cannot control time, but you can choose your priorities. I'm not just trying to be smarty pants about this. You can't control time. And if we accepted that and found peace in that, how much richer would our lives be? If you accepted, I can't control time, but I can control my priorities. I cannot control how long I get to spend with this person. There's no guarantee that I get to go with this person to the next part of my life. One of the most difficult things for me when I look back at that picture of me and my friends from college is some of them, we don't get to talk at all anymore. Life gets busy. But I can control how I spend the time in the moment. And so if we found peace in just accepting the fact I can't control time, how much better would we be at spending our time? We'd look at the, first, at the person in front of us and say, I, I may not have this moment with you forever. How much more valuable would all of our seconds be if we stopped getting so caught up in the stuff we can do in our time, but instead we could focus on the people that we can have relationships with, that we could pause with our paw and focus on time with him. How much more valuable would that be We've all got priorities, right? But I wonder how many of us are prioritizing the wrong things. Like, okay, so there, there, there are big things in this life, right? they are the really, really important things in your life, right? So think of those as like the big rock foundation type stuff. Other people have done this example before, and I think that it's so good that I, I want to steal it. And then there are the maybe like less important stuff, but things that you have to do. These are the pebbles, right? And then you get the stuff that honestly really doesn't matter, but hey, everybody's got some fill time in their life, right? What are you prioritizing? A lot of us are prioritizing the sand. Like, the minuscule things. Like, okay, nothing wrong with doing some of these things. Like, okay, so I'm on social media. Sweet. Alright. Okay, so like, I've got some fun hobbies. Okay, cool, right? Oh, you know, I, I, what is it? What, what is your sand, right? That's not like that important, but it's Stuff that you you just do, right? Like, it's, it's good stuff. There, there's nothing wrong with this. But when we put this stuff first in our life, right? Like, the screens. Like, what am I going to wear today? Like, oh my goodness, am I choosing the exact right place to go eat? Because what if that person that I'm thinking about is there, right? <laughs> what is it? Seriously, I was shocked and convicted by this this week when I was... Uh, Reminded this. Do Do you know some of the things that we spend our time on? Take a look at this. Every single day, the average person will spend nearly three hours checking texts and emails. They will spend four hours watching TV or streaming services, spend two and a half hours on social media, 96 minutes on the internet, 90 minutes in daily interruptions, and if you don't think your life has interruptions, you might be the interruption. Sorry. It's just weird. I don't feel like I'm ever interrupted. All right. We spend 35 minutes deciding what to eat, 16 minutes deciding what to wear, seven minutes thinking about exercising. Mind you, not exercising, just thinking about it. (laughs) And uh, one minute reading this list. That was really funny. That was comedy 101. Give me a ha. (laughs) It just deserved one. Just a ha. Like, so, so is that the stuff you're putting first in your life? Like, look, there's actually nothing wrong with those things. But is that the stuff that you're doing first? Because if that's the stuff that you're doing first, and this is all the time that you have, right? Like, we're limited. We have limitations. And one of the biggest limits that we have in this life is our time. Okay, so, so what if you put that stuff first? And then it's like, okay, well, now I need to get, you know, I mean, at least some decently important things. Wow, this is really hard with a mic. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do some of that stuff, right? You know, this is like the schoolwork. This is the internship. It's stuff that really does matter, you know? But... Okay, again, you are limited. You have finite time. And then when it gets to the really, really important stuff in your life the relationships, your time spent with family, your time spent with friends, your time just serving people that you might not even know. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to spend time with God. <laughs> Darn it. Well, I think God would understand. I'm a little busy. Was God too busy to make you? I don't know. <laughs> Boy, I'm riding the guilt trip tonight. <laughs> Galley. If you, if you start with the small stuff, it, you're never going to have enough time. You, you just won't. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Jesus is saying, seek the biggest thing first. Seek that relationship that gives you fulfillment in your life. Seek that biggest thing first, and then everything else you need will follow. Now, there, there is a reason for that. When you love God, the natural response to receiving God's love and to loving God is loving God's children. The way that I put it like this. The way that I put it is like this. I don't have children, but if any of our friends ever ask us, hey, can you watch our children? The best way that I can love that friend is by loving their children. The way that we love God is by loving God's children, by serving them, by loving them. And so if you seek the kingdom of God first, that's a really fancy way of seeking right relationship with God and right relationship with all of creation. And that even includes yourself. You seek that right relationship with God. You receive that love from God. All of a sudden, your priorities are put in the right place. And now, there's more room for things than you might have ever thought. Oh boy. Okay, there we go. Perfect. You start with the big stuff. Sweet! It fits! Of course, God doesn't just want you to spend your entire life in this room singing songs, listening to sermons. They're Really, really good. But there's the big stuff, right? And then you've got that stuff that's important, but maybe not quite as important. But God says, I want you to have a life. I've given you purpose. And then you've got space for that. You put that big stuff first. And then, God's not like, hey, don't have an Instagram profile. I'm really impressed with your artistic, creative abilities. There's this space, and my goodness, I can even add more. Now, I'm not going to do that because you will be eating this bread and drinking this grape juice later. So I'm going to try not to have you hack up some dirt. But notice this, like you're not, you're not going to fit all the sand. There are some things, there's some stuff that at the end of the day are just as important as a grain of sand. It's just not for you. You don't have to do everything You can't do everything. You don't have to. Seek the kingdom of God first, and everything else that you need will be given to you. Not because you've earned it, but because you'll start to see it. You'll start to see this world the way that it was intended to be seen. How are you setting up your priorities in life? You can't control time, but you can control your priorities. There's this incredible case study about time and priorities In Luke chapter 10, anytime that we talk about time management and priorities, I think that this is an important story to look at. It's a famous story. It's about Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha were two sisters. They're a part of a a famous family. They're really good friends with Jesus. They had a brother named Lazarus. Lazarus died. Jesus raised him from the dead. It was crazy. But then there's this other scene where we learn about the soul of Martha and the soul of Mary. What really makes them tick? We learn about their personalities. And I don't know about you, but I cannot help but see myself in this story. It says that Jesus and his disciples showed up to Martha's home. It says Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, what do we know about Martha? She's the leader of the family. She owns the house. She takes care of the finances. She makes sure that everybody is able to survive. This is Martha. Meanwhile, there's Mary, her sister. And Mary's just sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Meanwhile, Martha's distracted by the big dinner that she's preparing. Who are you in this story right now? You cannot go anywhere in your life that Jesus won't go with you. God's Holy Spirit is with you everywhere you go. God's presence is actually with you. It's not just something that we say in church. God's presence is actually with you. Are you focused on the stuff or the most important relationship in your life? What's the priority? See Martha, she's not doing something that's wrong, but she's distracted. She's distracted by things that are urgent, but Mary is soaking up what is important. So what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? Well, I think one of the first things that we do is we realize the difference between what's important and what's urgent. This is he's here, Pastor Nick Brandon. What's up, man? Yeah. Yeah, what yeah, seriously, give God praise for him. I don't remember what it was, but Nick and I have had a, a, this really long relationship. Uh, he, Nick, I probably met you when I was in like fourth or fifth grade, because uh, Nick was playing electric, get, electric guitar at Vacation Bible School, and I'm not kidding, like shredded that thing. <laughs> and so like every single fifth grade boy and every single fifth grade girl loved this guy, Right. And and it was pretty cool. As I I got to know him, he he mentored me. And and he's one of the biggest reasons why I went into ministry. He's one of the biggest reasons why I answered a call to hope and and became a part of Cairo. So I'm really grateful to him. But among the things I'm really grateful for, it's this. What's important and what's urgent? Do you understand the difference? There's a difference between important things and urgent things. Both matter. Urgent things will show up in your life. Urgent things are the things that are time sensitive. Urgent things are the things that have to happen and get done by the end of the day but then there are important things. So many of us are distracted by what is urgent that we've lost focus of what is important. Urgent is the things that we have to get done chronologically, but important are the things that happen in holy moments and in holy spaces and in holy time. The word for that in the Bible is kairos. It's the whole reason why we named this ministry what we named it. It's kairos. This is supposed to be holy time. It's a place where you can drop the urgency, but instead focus on what's important. But here's the beautiful thing about it. You don't have to stay in this room to focus on what's important. The Holy Spirit goes with you. You don't have to wait for Jesus to show up in your house. Jesus has gone out with you into public. He lives in your heart. So for you, are you focused on what's important or are you distracted by what is urgent? It says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet, but Martha is distracted by what? By the big dinner that she's preparing. She's really angry about it. And can you blame her? You ever been in a group project and someone's not carrying their weight? She's frustrated. But here's the second question that we ask when we seek the kingdom of God first. What is distracting me from Jesus with him all the time? Anything that distracts you from Jesus is simply not worth it doesn't mean that you spend your entire life standing on street corners holding signs and telling people that they need to repent or perish. It means that you live in communion, in relationship with the fulfiller of your soul. What's distracting you from that? Oh, Martha was so distracted, and it hurt, and it was breaking her. She goes to Jesus, Conflict Management 101. She's actually handling it pretty well. She takes her problem to the one she has the problem with. She says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. You ever tried to tell God what to do? Listen, God receives it because he's a loving and caring parent, and God knows how we talk when we're desperate, Read the Bible. I mean, it's full of screams and cries and screeches and oh my goodness graciouses. That's a word. God knows how we talk when we're desperate, so he receives it. But what if we can't manage time? How could we possibly manage the maker of time? But Jesus doesn't respond to her and say, Martha, you're a distraction. Martha, you're the problem. He loves her. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. He calls her by her name and he says it twice just to show how much he loves her, how much compassion he has in his heart for her. He says, you're worried and upset over all of these details. In the Bible, the words for worried and upset, what it quite literally means is to be broken up and scattered over the floor. Anybody here feel like you're so spread thin that you are just broken to pieces and spread over the floor? As Jesus is saying the name of Martha and saying it twice, he's not ridding him. He's not ridding himself of her problems. He's bringing her back together. So many of us are spread thin, broken in pieces across the floor, because we're just trying to do so many different things, and like Humpty Dumpty, we fell off the wall. And while all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again, Jesus can. Jesus made you. He knows how to put you back together He knows how to help you truly seek the kingdom of God first. And so here's a big question to ask tonight. What is it that's distracting you from that God who loves you like that, who says your name and says it twice? This is the God that calls you into deep and powerful relationship with him, but deep and powerful relationship with others because you have a deep and powerful understanding of yourself. A child of God, infinitely loved, eternally safe, forever secure. This is what you are. You don't have to control things anymore. You get to love people. How many of us have broken down to a place where no longer are we loving people, but we're just trying to control them? I have this incredible illustration that showed up for me today. Um, So my wife and I, we have a new family member. I'm really excited about it. His name's Denver. Denver. He's a tiny little puppy. Can you bring him up, Abby? Yeah. So today's my wife's birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I love you. You don't have to keep singing. She'll get embarrassed. I love you, Abby. Thanks for bringing up Denver. I know. Look at this guy, right? Oh, sorry, bud. Hold on. Everybody, I'm Denver. Where am I? Do you like my paws? Do you know your heavenly paw? It all comes back together. So in I, I got Denver on Monday and I hid him from my wife for two days. <laughs> yeah, that was hard. Um, And so, over the last couple of days, I was taking him to some different places, and at one point, I did end up at her house. I was like trying to get him familiar with the house, and I took him outside to show him where he's going to go to the bathroom because you're not going to be in my bed anymore, is it? No! Ha, <laughs> <No. laughs> My farts stink, don't they? Yep. I've spent a lot of time with him, uh, so uh, I, I haven't been speaking to other humans for a while. That's, this is weird. And the neat thing is, is that he has no care for chronological time. No care at all. Like, I'll be like, all right, Denver, time to go outside. And he's like, is it really? (laughs) And I lift him up and I take him outside. and I can't get upset with him. Look at him. I can't. And here's the funny thing. Denver might do things that I don't like, but Denver just naturally, I don't think he can help it. He's living out obedience to his creator. He barks. He sniffs. He eats. He poops. A lot. Such a small body. So much waste. And like, that's how God created him, right? And so I'm, I'm trying to control him. In our neighborhood, there's a veterinarian. And she happened to be walking by when I was trying to tell Denver what to do. And and look, I I haven't had a dog since I was like eight years old. Abby grew up with dogs. And so I'm I'm like just trying my best, right? And so I said to the vet, I'm like, hey, I'm really new to this. What should I do? Um, And she said, best piece of advice, don't try to control him. Just love him. And I was like, I'm going to preach that tonight. (laughs) Don't try to control God. Be loved by God. Don't try to control people. Be loved by people and love people back. Don't try to even control yourself. Walk in the unforced rhythms of grace. I think one of the ways that we know that we've fallen away from transformational Christianity and instead into bad religion is when we've stopped loving people and we've just started controlling people. It has everything to do with the way we treat our time. Think about it. Why do you fill your time with the stuff you fill your time with? Why do you feel it that way? When I think about the stuff that I feel like I absolutely have to get done, I just have to get them done. Why do I absolutely have to get them done? Well, because if I didn't, I would let somebody else down. And at the core of that, Even deep beneath the surface, where it's kind of nice, I say, well, I just don't want to let that person down, it's caring, and there's a lot that goes to that. You should do the things that you said you were gonna do, right? But even deep and underneath of that, what's really happening is I'm trying to control their perception of me. I'm trying to control time so I can control the way that people see me, the way that they think about me. And for what? For what? For what, buddy? For what? (laughs) For what? These are the things that we can surrender. You don't have to fill your time with stuff just so you can impress people. All the stuff that you do is because you're loved by a God and he's called you to love the people around you. Are you trying to control people? Are you trying to love them? Are you trying to control God or are you being loved by God? Are you trying to control yourself or are you walking in the unforced rhythms of grace? What can you surrender to God? What can you surrender to Jesus? It's the third question to ask when we think about seeking first the kingdom of God. Jesus, what are the things that I put in front of you? And I'm I'm asking you about this stuff, not so that you can make me feel bad about myself. I'm doing a lot. I need to stop guilting myself. How many people in here know God's not mad at you? You know that? God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He thinks you're awesome. He wants your life to be awesome. He really wants your life to be full, but not with stuff, with purpose. Abby, can you take Denver? Because I'm about to bring it home. There we go. All right. Everybody say, yay, Denver! Happy birthday, Abby. I love you so much. What do you need to surrender? What are the ways that you need God to make you whole again? Put your pieces back together. Come on, really, dig deep. It's our last night together, right? What if before this summer you made the decision, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, not for the sake of being a perfectly religious person, not for the sake of elevating myself, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God because I was made to be loved by God. Your job literally is to be loved. That's why in the Bible we are called beloved children of God. Your job is to be loved by God. Your job is not to do more stuff. Oh my goodness, how often does stuff get in the way of our relationships? Stuff is not supposed to get in the way of our relationships. We live in this corrupted world that tells us, you know, the relationships will get in the way of the stuff you have to do. Please. Stuff gets in the way of the best parts of our lives, your relationship with your creator, your relationship with creation around you. Come on, walk in the unforced rhythms of grace. Stop filling your life with just more stuff to do. Jesus finishes this beautiful passage that I cannot help but see myself in. He says to Martha, Martha, you've done a lot of good stuff, but there's only one thing worth are truly being concerned about. There's only one thing that should truly break us down. And it breaks us down only because this, it is broken down by the one who can put us back together, who created us, and knows that the only time that we get broken down, the only time that we spread apart is so that he can see the things in our life and show us, I want to make you whole again. I want to take out the stuff that you've been misprioritizing and I want to put in the stuff that gives you life. I want to shock you. I want to surprise you. I want you to believe. I want you to pause. I want you to trust me. I want you to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace. There is one thing worth being concerned about. One thing. And everything else will follow after that. Mary's discovered it. Mary's discovered it and it will never be taken away from her. All of this stuff that I'm holding on to so terribly, one day it's going to be taken away from me. One day, I can't hold on to time. I can't hold on to people. I can't hold on to stuff. But Jesus holds on to me. And whether you are coming back here next year, whether you are graduating and going somewhere else, Jesus holds on to you. He holds on to you. And he doesn't hold on to you just in this space. He holds on to you for all of time. He holds on to you for all of time. And he fills your life. See, so he can do this. He can do this because he actually can control time. He can control time because he made time. Jesus made time. It says in the Bible that there was nothing that came to existence except through him. He was there. He made time. And in some ways, like, okay, he just made time for people, right? Did you know that half of Jesus' miracles were interruptions? Half of Jesus' miracles were someone walking up and saying, I need your help. And he said, okay, let's stop for a moment and I'll go with you. He made time for people. But he's actually the creator of time. He made time. But keep this in mind. Jesus did not make you for time. Jesus made time for you. Jesus made time because he wanted you to exist. Jesus made time because he wanted to love you. Jesus made time because he wanted you to experience a deep, rich, and satisfying life. Not a life that's just purely filled with stuff, but a life that is fulfilled through the creator of your life who then sends you into the world to do stuff that really matters. Oh, Kairos, I believe this about you. You are called to do stuff that really matters. You are called to do stuff that will shock people. There are certain things that you never believed that you could do. There's a lot of stuff in creation that you never believed it could do. Did you know that an elephant can swim 20 miles a day? you know that? Isaac told me that today. What could God do with you? Because maybe you're like, oh, well, I'm surrendering everything that really matters to me. Mary, what was she surrendering by sitting at Jesus's feet? We think, oh, it's just this nice metaphorical story where sit at the feet of Jesus. Something's actually happening in that story, and it's crazy. Are you ready for this? Jesus is a teacher. Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus had disciples. And so when Jesus would teach, he would specifically teach in these settings, in the place in Martha's home, only to people that he was calling to then go out and preach his messages, and teach his word. Now there was something interesting about the ancient Jewish culture. In the ancient Jewish culture, the rabbis would only call men to sit at their feet. Only men were allowed to go out and preach the word of God. And so Mary, a woman, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't send her away. He teaches. And it's shaking Martha to her soul. Whoa! This is way more than just her not helping out with the dinner. This is her shaking up my very understanding of the way that the system of this world operates. Jesus has a woman sitting at his feet. Not talking down to her giving her life purpose, because she's going to grow in this teaching that he's giving her, and he's calling her out, I want you, my daughter, to go out and preach my word. Jesus is shaking up the foundations of this earth. And today, maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but 2,000 years ago, it messed up someone so much that she left the dinner she was preparing to complain to God about it. Don't you think that what you're surrendering isn't isn't worth what Jesus will fill you with? I wonder how many people told Mary, you can't do fill in the blank in your life. I wonder how many people tried to control Mary. Jesus isn't concerned with controlling you. Jesus is concerned with loving you whether you are a man or you are a woman, whether you are tall, you are short, whether you are black, you are white, whether you become rich or you are poor. Jesus is not trying to control you. He's trying to love you. He's filling you. He's putting your pieces back together again. And the things that people have told you, what you're capable of and what you could do with your time Jesus says, stop being concerned about time and start being concerned about me. I didn't make you for time. I made time for you. Let me fill you with my word. Now go out and share it because you know what it's like to be loved by me. Therefore, you know the purest form of love. You know the purest form of service because you know what it's like to be loved and served by me. He is shaking up the foundations of this world and he's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through you, Kairos. Shake up the foundations of this world. This is a holy moment. Let's sit in it for just a moment longer. We're going to enter a time of holy communion. Holy is a word that means set apart. This is a time that's set apart. It was on the night when Jesus was betrayed that he took bread, he gave thanks. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples to eat and he said, take and eat. This is my body and it's given for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. then again, after supper, Jesus took the cup. He gave thanks. He poured out for all of them to drink. He said, take and drink. This This blood is the new covenant. It's my blood. It's shed for you and for the forgiveness of all sins. And when you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and pray the words that Jesus taught us and really let this soak in. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We're going to invite you up for communion. Uh, y'all can stand because um, we're going to sing a song while we do this, but the ushers are going to dismiss you row by row. We're going to send you to a station up front. You'll go to the one that's closest to you. We'll hand you a wafer. Uh, this is the body of Christ. It's given for you. Then we'll hand you, you can take a cup from the tray. It's got grape juice in it. And we'll say, this is the blood of Christ. It's shed for you. The most important instruction that I can give you tonight is this. Jesus Christ himself invites you to this table to receive him. Surrender whatever it is. Surrender whatever it is that's holding you back from living the fulfilled life that's going to shake up the foundations of this world and receive Jesus. He is with you wherever you go. So receive him. This is his body. This is his blood given for us. Let's eat and let's drink. Gluten-free stations. We have gluten-free elements at every station. So if you need that, just let us know. All right, Kairos, let's worship.